Hello and welcome to another Balance and Wellbeing podcast. Today we're looking at improving the quality of our relationships. Um, and again, I've got Katie Walls here with me today. Hi. Hi, Sam. Hi, all. Um, and my name's Sam Eddy. I think I've got to say that. So it's good to be with you all again. Katie, we're talking about some healthy and unhealthy relationships. So I just want to get your thoughts on healthy. What's a, what constitutes a healthy relationship in your experience and in your work? Yeah, I suppose it's, um, you know, considering that we're in relationship with everything. So it's actually a huge topic. Often when we, we refer to relationships, we just look at, you know, those relationships with, with people, colleagues, family, etc. But, you know, you've got relationships with your pets. You've got relationships with how you are with yourself. Um, you know, that internal dialogue um, that can go um, continuously or at certain times of the day and what's the flavour of that dialogue. So relationships is a, is a huge topic and especially in relation to our health, um, you know, we could focus on what's good for us with exercise, with food, um, with all of the aspects of caring for ourselves. but how much time and consideration do we actually give the quality of our relationships and then the effect that has on our health? And quite often we talk to people and, and when I introduce this, they'll say, actually, you know what, I don't I don't give my relationship with myself much consideration at all. They may focus more relationship with kids or partners or um, colleagues, but when you bring it back to our relationship with ourself being first and foremost because the quality of that then affects the quality of our relationships with everyone else. If we look at self-worth, if we look at how we're feeling about ourselves, we're either going to have, you know, more of a positive disposition or if we're being hard on ourselves, then that negativity does affect everything else. It leaves us um, more exhausted as well. Uh, you know, you're not going to have those reserves of energy. So I, I love the fact that we're going there with looking at what, what is the quality of our relationships and what relationships do we compromise our in, myself in? Perhaps we're not even aware of it. So, you know, this time let, let, let's start looking at that, doing a bit of an internal dialogue and exposing some aspects to ourselves which um, can help going forward. It's such a good thing to talk about up front, Katie, because you're right, relationships often we think about, well, my relationship with maybe my partner, my husband, wife, partner, but we don't consider all the other relationships we have necessarily in that context. And and also the relationship with yourself. I mean, it is such a key thing. And as you say, when life's busy and there's lots going on, we never really stop to reflect or we often don't stop to reflect on what's our relationship with ourself. Mm. What, how do we view ourselves? Are we happy with who we are? Um, do we have that self-confidence? Do we really uh, value um, the different attributes we bring to relationships? Do we value the qualities that we have? We're very good at um, that voice of doubt, that self-criticism. I should have done this better. I should be doing more of X, Y, and Z. Um, but we often don't talk about all the good stuff we're doing all the good stuff we do day in, day out as yeah, parents, as work colleagues. Yeah, and appreciating yourself as well. You know, just appreciating there may be challenging things that happen during the day and we're just so used to having to deal with it um, and get through it or make sure that um, the situation's rectified and, and has what it needs. But, you know, do we actually stop and go, wow, that's remarkable. You know, six months ago, I wouldn't mm. have been able to handle that situation. I wouldn't have been able to deal with what was coming at me or um, whatever the situation may be. So that shows then the work that you've been doing on yourself to be able to deal with those situations um, in a way that is addressing not only the need at hand, but is not taxing you as much as well. Yeah, look, I mean, what you can achieve when things are going tough or busy or stressful, they're often your true successes because you've been able to get things done. Often it might be the simple things, just getting to work, getting the kids sorted out. But the more you can do, even when things aren't, you aren't feeling great or you're a bit stressed, they're the real successes. And reflecting on those is key, I think, to building that self-confidence because you're you know, you're building your resilience. So when things come up, the more confidence you have, the more successes you have banked. 
the more you know you're going to be able to get through no matter what comes up when the difficulties do arise in, in relationships. Yeah, great point. And it gives you that um, confidence. You know, when I love what you've just introduced because you're confirming yourself in that. Sure, we're a work in progress all the time. And, mm. and that's, that's really cool. But if you look at the time we spend, it's on that, that um, self-assessment from a viewpoint of what, how do I need to approve? I could have handled that better, et cetera. But when you're allowing that space to confirm yourself, it doesn't have to be a big rah-rah thing. It's just, you know, you deserve it. You've worked at it. Then when, as you say, those tricky situations come up again, you know, you've got that basis to stand on to go, actually, you know, I'll just reflect a little bit to stand back, observe what's happening and then go from that place going forward, knowing that you've been able to work with situations at that level previously. So it's just like building on that. But you've got to confirm to be able to build. And I, I, I felt it would be great for us to just have a moment um, to just self-assess what is your relationship with like what is your relationship with yourself like at the moment and that can change from day to day but just at the moment if you give your general um, overview to go yeah am I too self-critical or wow I used to be too self-critical but I've really shifted quite a lot with that or um, yeah where am I not confirming myself and just having a moment just to to see where that is for yourself and then from there, having a bit of an assessment of your relationships in general, be that with your family, be that with your colleagues, our partners, friends, etc., And just have a reflection to see where perhaps some relationships you may be compromising yourself. And when I say compromising, meaning you hold back, you don't express everything you're feeling compared to some other relationships. Um, are you different at work to how you are with your family or at home? And then if so, why? You've just got a, a different role, but you've still got to give yourself space to be you. So it's just good just to give yourself a moment now to, um, yeah, just just to assess what, what relationships could be compromising me at the moment and therefore affecting my health. And it helps, it helps to write it down, doesn't it, Katie? Because if you, I know for me, if I get it out on paper, so if I'm jotting down, you know, which relationships am I finding perhaps the toughest or, or for the first time if I'm writing down what's, you know, what's my view of myself um, in the first place, it can be really a great way of getting out of your own head and just getting perspective on some of this stuff because the more we hold it in and we think about it only to ourselves, it can, we can sort of, it can get a little bit distorted. Our views on this stuff can get distorted. We lose perspective and it can then become a source of stress, can't it? Because it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to see the wood through the trees, especially with relationships and especially when we've got lots of history with people. Mm. There's lots of things that have gone on with people who are close to us, people at work. So, we're often caught up in these stories. So if we have some time when we're calmer, such as today, and we've got put that time aside to look to deal with our own well-being, and if we start to write this stuff down, mm. we can start to see the areas of the relationships in our lives that we want to focus on a bit more and, and explore. Yeah, and then you might see a pattern happening as well. And as I said, these are a series that build on each other. Yes, they have their different themes in this these podcasts, but just having that exercise book or bit of paper that you're jotting down um, from session to session, you, you can start see, seeing things more clearly as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of writing things down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm just thinking while we're talking, if any of the people... On the, on the podcast with us today have any specific relationships that they find the difficult, whether it's be your relationship with yourself or your partner or perhaps a boss at work or a good friend. Just love to hear your thoughts on that or any questions you may have um, just to see what's going on or what's topical for you guys mm. at the moment. Yeah, we can start to see if there's a bit of a patterning happening out there. So, so type away and we'll be um, reflecting and addressing those questions as we go. Yeah. Well, one of the things, um, I think I mentioned this to you before as well, Katie, having insight and awareness 
of yourself, but also of the other person in in the relationship, whether it be your partner, is can be really key to having a healthy relationship because the more you have awareness around yourself and where you're at, what your needs and wants are in a relationship, but also of the other person's needs and wants, to me, it, it's a really solid foundation from where to start because you're clear on what you want, you're clear on what your partner wants. So it's then easy to make positive decisions to move forward in a relationship because everything's out in the open. With I know with particularly with romantic relationships, for example, there's a lot of messages that we receive through the media, through social media, especially about what constitutes a relationship and how certain people should behave in a relationship. So whether it's a man or a woman, um, certain roles that we're supposed to occupy. And I think because of these societal expectations, we think that there's a role we have to play. And, and, and when we have these comparisons with others and we try to assume these roles, we often then forget to communicate what we need or understand what our partner may need, for example. So if we, our partner's a male or a man, and we um, think that you know men want to be the strong one in the relationship for using a stereotype or they um, should be doing something else that's a bit more stereotypical often we forget to ask well what's act what's the actual need here or with ourselves if we're also assuming a role we we expect people to then understand what our needs are because we're occupying a certain role in society so kind of unpacking that yeah, I suppose everything you're saying, Sam, comes back to communication. And that's often where we'll have um, interference coming in, um, be it in those personal relationships, intimate relationships or work relationships. It's like a common theme that, yeah, the communication coming back to that and if that isn't consistent and not only consistent but allowing the opportunity to meet what's needed in the way of going deeper then you'll have um, cracks that appear. And most companies, you know, when they, when they look at where divisions aren't, aren't working effectively together, it comes back to communication or even um, working with colleagues, et cetera. Or it could be, you know, especially as parents, our focus can be on communicating about the kids' needs and the logistics of the family. But when we do that, we fall into functionality rather than you know, what the quality of how we are as a partnership in our um, marriage or partnership, then that quality either further enhances how we are as a parent, how we are as a colleague, how we are as a boss, etc. So can we see how easy it is to fall into functionality where we're ticking the boxes and you can't really be faulted because from the outside it's like, well, she's doing a job or... He's, he's caring for his kids, etc. So society itself loves functionality. But if we actually go, well, if we want to improve the depth of our relationships, it comes back to quality. And that's really the only thing is, you know, when I'm talking to my kids, am I present? Am I actually there available listening to them? Or am I thinking about everything that I have to do? And look, hands up, both hands of mine are up. You can't see them, but they are in being in that <laughs> functionality because at yes. times it's very busy. But I know when I do that, the kids clock it straight away. And now as they get older and they actually tell you, you, you know, you're not <laughs> which is brilliant. I love being pulled up. Yeah. But that's no different. Luckily kids can be honest, but if they don't feel that there's at least the opening for them to be honest, they start to shut down as well. So that's yeah, no different absolutely. work. If you're sitting in a meeting and you're doing all the right things and you're nodding, et cetera, but you've got your own agenda running, then it's going to cause disharmony. It, it may not be present there, but it'll come, come out down the track. So nothing is gained when we hold back, but it makes things super, super simple, not necessarily easy because we have been holding back in different areas and not expressing mm -hmm. everything we're feeling because we're concerned about reaction. But if, if, if we bring it back to actually the quality of my relationship and, and my movements and how I are during the day, then that's either going to make me um, feel more fulfilled as a parent or 
in with my partner or as an employee or as a boss, whatever it happens to be, because it, it's like it doesn't make it hard. You're not trying to tick the list of what a good parent is. You're just going, hey, all I have to do is focus on that relationship with myself. Yes. And then everyone gets the benefit of that. Yeah. And, and we've had a, a comment from one of our listeners around uh, the relationship with a husband or partner or wife. So why is that relationship with our significant other, for want of a better word, often the relationship we think about or that can be challenging? I guess divorce rates are high. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily symbolic of relationships that can be tough to sustain over a period of time, but often that's the go-to relationship yeah. that we think about, isn't it? And, and it's on our minds constantly, I guess, because we spend so much time with our partner. Yeah. I, what I love about that offering in way of a question is it exposes our complacency. So if we're talking about the functionality, um, who's calling out the fact that we're not allowing a depth of intimacy in our relationship like it's not as though there's you know alarms that go off to go hey you know what you've just been talking about the functional aspects of life but are you actually connecting with your partner mm. are you are you actually being really honest with yourselves and going how is our week I have, are there any tensions if you know actually i could feel that i was annoying you yesterday um you know i want to i want to hear more about that what was going on you know, are we are we talking that way? Are we valuing our relationships to that level? And and really, if we want to um, keep developing together, it can't be something that we just get complacent about. And so many people I speak to, they do. They'll go, "Wow, you know, I'd never do that to my kids. I'd make sure I have time with them." And you know, yet I haven't been on a date with my partner for months and months and months. So it's like we've got to factor that in as being important. And I tell you what, everything in life will pull us away from that time. But again, if we make it super simple to go, I can't not, it would be irresponsible of me not to be having these conversations, to be um, saying, let's not get complacent here because then it's going to make me, as I said before, a better parent, a better friend, a better colleague because I'm addressing all the aspects of my relationships. So someone said to me once, and I love this, is that, really the um, quality of our relationships is based on your lowest point, so to speak. So if you look at all your relationships and you can say, I have a fantastic relationship with this person, great relationship with that person, but really this person, just it's just annoying or I don't gel or they trigger me, etc. So it's rather cool, isn't it, to go actually, well, that's affecting then all your relationships. You can't say this relationship is fantastic if there's a relationship that we're not at least addressing. And hey, it takes two, absolutely. All I'm talking about is our responsibility. And then if someone wants to be open that, to that, that, that's for them to decide. But as long as we're being open to taking responsibility across the board in our relationships. It's interesting, isn't it? When um, I often do counselling for people and often, especially for, for couples who are encountering some difficulties and usually it's to do with things that you're already referring to, Katie, about communication and about not expressing what you want and not being aware of a lot of our triggers, uh, etc. But often people want to jump straight into, into couples counselling, so having two people in a room together. And my advice is often, well, what is it that you, you know, want the counselling for? What, what are the problems that are coming up? And does your partner want to be there or are they just coming there because you want them to come, for example? And so often the work that has to be done first is your relationship with yourself. So finding out what your part in this relationship is, what your contribution is to it, whether both, both sort of the things that are working and not working and understanding and building your own level of confidence. Because if we're, our, our own confidence is low, uh, we're really busy, we've got a very busy life, that we have limited time for our partner or for ourselves, then it's very hard to tackle symptoms of a, a, a relationship that's struggling. So my advice is often to 
do some work with yourself first, as you were saying at the start, to try and map out on paper where you're at with your needs, wants and what else is going on in your life. Have a, have a holistic look at your life and say, well, how much time am I spending at work? What are my priorities versus my realities? So we often talk about that we want to spend more time with family and our home relationships, but we're actually spending the most time on our career, for example. So looking at those gaps in what we want to be doing and what we're actually doing. You know, am I spending enough time doing what I love so that I'm looking after my own well-being, so that I'm happy and then I can be more present and available for my partner? Doesn't mean it will solve any issues that come up necessarily, but you're just consolidating your own foundation first so that you're then in a better position to start to tackle any specific issues that you might find hmm. working very, in a relationship. Yeah, very true. And I, on those points as well, so it's looking at what's draining in relationship, in relationships and a, a great meter for that because we're so used to things that we mightn't have even clocked them is if you get a phone call, how does that make you feel? If you see someone's number come up or their name to come up, come up on the phone, do you automatically go, oh, yeah, cool, feel like talking to them or, or just neutral? Yep, fine to talk to them. Or is there a feeling that comes into your body of, oh, you know, that just that, that slight, oh, that is actually a drain. And you may not have clocked it, but what's great in that is your body is showing you that there's a disharmony in that relationship so that when you speak to that person, you're not either being authentic and all of you or you're compromising to meet their needs. So that's just a, a very simple, cool way of going, yeah, how, how do I feel that the fact that my body's showing me something there, there's something more that, that I'm not addressing. And time is precious. So it's either then evaluating what could be getting in the way in that relationship and then taking responsibility of discussing it or shifting within yourself so that that relationship can then go to another level. It's like you're giving it a fresh start to go, is this person actually going to be open to me being more of me? We've got conditions in our relationships, so we set it up. might be our need for being included or to be liked, so then we compromise ourselves, and it's like a condition um, and a, a, a contract, so to speak, a subconscious contract in our relationships. And when you start exposing those and then bringing more of yourself People will either align to that and go, wow, cool, I'm going to go there too. I'm going to be more honest as well. Or they'll go, that's not for me. And that's absolutely fine. But what you're then doing is going, I want to keep developing my relationships. Mm. I mean, I like what you're saying about using your body or the feelings you get when you get a call or a text from someone um, and using that as a gauge for actually what's what's my what's buried in my subconscious or my unconscious around what's my what fit my feelings are towards this relationship because on many levels we think well I should be having a good relationship with this person mm. and sometimes you can't figure it out why intellectually and so you it's great to be able to use your body or the feelings you get as a guide to say hang on there's something here I need to look into or need to unpack a little bit and I think Another useful thing is using that as a tool, perhaps to go, well, you know, have I had this feeling before? Often we find ourselves in relationships with people, friends, even people at work, partners and ex-partners, and sometimes we find we're in a, in a bit of a pattern with this sort of stuff. So we, yeah. we might find ourselves in a relationship and have this feeling of uncertainty, a bit of tension, and it's happened before. So we can see a pattern and and the good thing is that is you go, okay, well, there's a pattern here, so maybe there is something I can change. You know, there's something I can do to try and address this and use your body as a gauge to, to be the catalyst for that. Yeah. And that it's, yeah, absolutely in relation to patterns that we're not aware of. Sometimes we can have traits within ourselves where we'll put ourselves less in a relationship just to keep the peace. So I'm just going to put myself just under that person in the sense that we're feeling everything, we're reading everything, so knowing what may make them react so you only um, deliver so much, et cetera. Then there's other people that like to have the people that do that, that put themselves under them so that they can feel better. One's not worse than the other. It's both a contract. 
but um, people that um, have kind of started to clock these patterns within themselves, you know, when they when they share about what they're seeing is just and phenomenal because it's like, whoa, I didn't realize this was draining me. You know, I started to work with that and I started to feel more vital within myself and I could feel the ripple on effect with my relationship with mm. my kids or with my boss and it just allows more so that, um, you know, everyone gets the benefit of that, which is super, super cool. Another aspect that I just wanted to introduce and when we we're looking at what's getting in the way of our relationships is that we've all got sensitivities and sensitivities are gorgeous because it's allowing us to feel what's needed. But because of because of what's happened in our life or how we've been brought up and the different environments we've been exposed to, we've also got different hurts. And if we're not communicating, it could just be one word that a partner says to us in a certain way that we find extremely hurtful. We mightn't even clock that we're reacting to that. Whereas mm -hmm. to that partner, they don't have that particular hurt. So they're just talking and then I may not even be clocking that you've been hurt by it not intentional but it's actually past experiences that have been triggered and then are being brought into that current relationship so if we're not kind of allowing ourselves this space to say hey you mightn't have meant anything by that but this is how I took it or this is how it made me feel then we're not learning like you're saying getting to know each other um, at that that deeper level so then we're understanding rather than taking everything personally it's great, it's great you're introducing this right now because I've had a question and I think it goes to what you're saying and the question is, um, so when that person calls you or contacts you in your life and it draws in feelings of anger perhaps, how do you then make your subconscious make it better? And I think what you're saying, Katie, is we have, we've got lots of history through our upbringing and what's gone on in our lives in the past and we have these triggers and, as you say, it could be a word or just the thought of someone it might trigger certain things in you that perhaps they aren't aware of because it's not relevant for them. And it really triggers this. So how do you change these triggers and how do you sort of overcome them so that you're, it's not having drawing that emotional reaction. So you're better able to regulate your emotions and then let go of some of this stuff when you're yeah, interacting with it, these people. It just creates such a misunderstanding. What's, fantastic about what's um, been offered in that question is that you know you're clocking the fact that there's anger there and underneath anger like the root cause of anger there's hurt so there's been a hurt or a dismissal or something that's been triggered and then anger is the emotion that's being triggered it's like a, a secondary emotion that happens from being hurt and knowing that with that person they're reflecting that they're triggering that to you but as we're saying, there'll be a whole lot of dominoes stacked up behind it. And yeah. it could be, say we didn't have a great relationship with our dad or we felt dismissed by our dad. So then anyone later in life who dismisses us triggers all of that hurt. And it might just be a look, like it doesn't have to be a word. It might just be a mannerism. So what's great is one, if we start taking responsibility to go, well, I'm having a reaction here. So I might know what it is, but my body's telling me there's something coming up. And then just by you acknowledging that, that already starts to shift it from being personal to being reflective. So you're observing what's going on. And then it could just be from that, you start to see more when you're willing to self-heal because you're, you're act actually activating the self-healing process. We're super powerful when it comes to healing. Mm. Then you'll start to see more and you can get support with that if you, if you get stuck with it or if it's bringing up a corker for you of all this unresolved stuff i mean that's a great opportunity to go you know what this is just baggage in my body i don't want this or it could be that you're finding that you're being attracted to the same type of people with patterns in relationships um of whatever type of relationship so it's like yeah why do i keep getting myself into the situation and then you're starting to go to the core of that why and then working with that so that's super important just to be clocking at first those reactions when you do get a call or when you see someone how does that feel for you? And then knowing that if you're having a reaction, there's going to be a history there that's being triggered. Mm -hmm. And if you if you try and depersonalize it to go, wow, I've got an opportunity. This person's reflecting something to me. I want to work with it. Or if you don't want to yes. work with it, that's super fine. But it, it's going to be in your body anyway. Yeah, I love it. Have you? I mean, I haven't spoken to you about this, Katie, but um, Eckhart Tolle. I think I've said his surname right. He is someone who I've read some of his books and 
listen to him a lot through YouTube and I've seen him in person and he he's sort of for those who don't know he's a bit of a spiritual guide guru if you like um, quite popular he was featured on Oprah I think at some point and that sort of really um, took his sort of his perspective on lives kind of kind of global and he talks a lot about the pain body or this is his kind of word for it if you like for all that pain or hurt that we've had in the past that is kind of locked in our subconscious and it does come up with triggers from time to time so what you're saying just kind of resonated or reminded me of that and also from the question about how do you change your subconscious and I think you as you sort of said you really have to be aware to be able to change it of oh gee you know what am I holding on to from the past what pain is there that gets reactivated if someone does something that reminds me of that pain in the past and we all have it for different reasons we all have unfortunately difficult experiences in life and we've suffered through things in childhood through school um, we've had unpleasant experiences and and the more we're aware of them and, and acknowledge that sometimes they're still caught in us yeah. and we're less likely to be susceptible to these triggers um, there are some great videos on the pain body on YouTube. Um, for those listening, if that resonates, you want to find out more as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, every interaction offers great opportunity. Um, and in that, you, you're getting to know yourself better too. And um, I, I know I've mentioned kids a few times, but <laughs> it's just such great learning and, and be that whether you're a parent yourself or an auntie or uncle or and what, whatever capacity is, you know, you, you get to see where your patience could be tested, etc. You get to see um, different parts of yourself that, that you might not have been aware of. And then any relationship that you're in, if you're just working, say, with one aspect, every every relationship gets the benefit of that. So we don't have to be overwhelmed by the big picture of, wow, this is a mess or that's a mess or I'm not happy with this, etc. You just start with one point one interaction then that's that's really setting the road to to you know supporting yourself in every aspect as well so you know yes, could, and we can even look at well what's your relationship with with getting up in the morning and getting ready in the morning what's your relationship with work like if you're going to work each day going wow i've only got 10 more years to retirement then that's going to be a pretty long 10 years if that's your relationship with work and then if you go, no, I don't want to be hanging out for my holidays. If I have my holidays, that's something where I want to rest my body or um, experience other things, but not to be working to hang out for those holidays because then it exposes what's the quality of your relationship with work like or hanging out for retirement. So, you know, to go, okay, there's something I've obviously got to shift with my work, how I'm approaching work, um, the expectations I'm putting on myself because that's pretty full on to be working, you know, how many weeks per year for the four weeks holiday I may have. And it, it just, you know, it just adds a different spin to things then to go, you know, it, this makes a big difference. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I think there is, you know, we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but it is a sum of all the parts, isn't it, with this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. If you know, if you're not sleeping right, if you're not getting enough exercise, if you're not feeling good about yourself and your body, for example, if you're um, having, you know, difficulty with friendships that, or you've got friends that you, friendships that aren't serving you, you they might be draining for you, you might, they, you might feel they're eating away at your confidence to a certain level. Um, they can be really tough relationships to maintain and as I mentioned before, we have all these historical connections with people. Um, a friend of mine has a lot of relationships with a lot of people that have sustained over a long period of time and we're talking about it and there was a realisation that, hang on, I don't even know why I'm catching up with all of these people. Not that there's anything specifically wrong with these other people, but they were becoming a bit of a burden uh, because yeah. it was taking time, it was eating into time and time is precious. It was then the relationships themselves. They probably had the connection had moved on. So we'd sort of moved on from the connection that was working in the past. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. It just might be coming to a natural end. 
some of these relationships, but often we hold on to them and that eats into our time and we expect that every relationship should be of a certain quality and level when in fact that's not always going to be the case. So we have these expectations, these views on relationships. We have limited time as we've talked about and, and it, it can be hard to sort of fit it all in um, and then get any perspective of it. I so love what you're saying. I, going back quite some years now, um, yeah, I had a, a relationship that where there was I was aware of more of the tension. It had always been that way, but I was just obviously shifting within myself where I was aware of it. And then I realised I had this belief that, you know, a good friend is there for life, that you just, you just work through it and it doesn't matter how hard it is, you just make it work. And it really surprised me because then what I started to realise was there was abuse in that relationship in the sense that there wasn't space for both of us to be who we are, to listen to each other's viewpoints, um, you know, respect the difference in that, et cetera, and be able to share life that way. So, you know, really fantastic what you're saying is, you know, are these things getting in the way of, of, of what our belief is of what a good friend is? And, you know, ultimately we're here to evolve and we're here to, you know, be more of ourselves. So if someone's not up for that as well within themselves, then there is going to be a tension in the relationship. And then when we look at, um, I mentioned the word disregard and what, what is that? You know, it's quite quite a big subject in itself, but you know, not being um, or someone being distracted all the time when you're talking to them, that actually is a form of disregard. And then it's up to us to say, am I okay with that? And you might be fine with that. There might be people that it is so busy that when you're with them, you know, that that um, focus isn't there. Or there's an opportunity to, to, if you're finding you're getting annoyed with it, to go, you know what, when I talk to you, I find that you're, you know, you're distracted and, and you're busy with things. Is it possible for us to meet at another time, or how can we, you know, how can we meet so that um, we've actually got that quality together? Or it could be, yeah, looking at your relationships. Are you trying to be putting too much in your week? Do you have, do you put an obligation on yourself to have to call people? Now that can often happen with families. It could be if I don't call my mum once a week, she starts to get worried about me, but gee, I, I don't feel like talking once a week. I don't need to talk once a week or once a day or whatever it happens to be. Then how about in that relationship rather than you carrying that tension saying, you know, hey, mum, I'm going to be super busy this week. I'll call you next week. Or, you know, just starting to be more true with, with how your relationships are. I mean, a great relationship is that you can pick up where you left off in the sense that there's no expectations as to how often you need to call, but when the impulse is there, that you, you just do that. So all this is doing is exposing our conditions and arrangements that we've got um, in our relationships. I'm just taking notes because you just, <laughs> you've hit on so many good points there. And one of the things I just wrote down was people pleasing, mm. because you talked about obligation. And there's so much obligation, I think, that we feel with relationships. Um, it's an epidemic. Yeah, it's, it's, crazy, it's an epidemic. It? It's, it's, like, it's like a virus. You know, we'll go, oh, I was sick mm -hmm. with a virus because our temperature goes up. Well, if we're looking at our stress levels, our stress levels go up because of those expectations. Yeah, and, and we have a limited amount of energy, in, you know, in every day that we have on this planet. So if we're putting a lot of this energy into obligations that are all relationships that are obligations or we're doing it because we think we should or we've got to please others, then we're, we're taking energy away from others but also from our own health. So if we're increasing our stress levels because of this, we're, we've got to be on all the time if we're with people that perhaps we can't just be ourselves with. You said before, those relationships are the, the strongest where we just pick them up with no obligation, no expectation. They're the ones where we can be ourselves and we can our system moves into that calm mode. But the ones that are obligation-filled, where we have to be on in inverted commas and we have to be putting on a persona, they take away a lot of energy that we could be using for our own maintenance, our own body to repair, to recover from a busy day's work, from all the other practical obligations we have in life. Um, so there's just so much in that. And, and you also talked about listening. So active listening, and I, it's funny you had talked about 
uh, catching up with someone who perhaps wasn't actually listening to you, or you realise that they're sort of they're pretty much just waiting for you to finish so they can talk more. <laughs> um, and I think we've all had that experience. And look, I've, I've probably been guilty myself of doing it as well. Um, so it's such a good skill to remind us of, especially in difficult relationships, that to go into a conversation, especially if you it's a difficult one or there's something's happened that's made it difficult to go in there and try and put all your judgments aside. Try and sort of slow down before you have an interaction. Don't sort of rush from the office and then get on the phone or don't move from being busy into these conversations because it's going to be harder for you to listen. Your system's going to be aroused. You're more likely just to say whatever was on your mind and we're, we're going to tune out to any opportunities that might be presented with what someone says to us. So if we're getting rid of judgments, we're not judging things as good or bad as much, we're able to really listen. And even if we perhaps still disagree with someone who we're having a relationship with, in a relationship with, we might see, we might understand them more. If nothing else, we might understand what their needs are more. And we can go, oh, okay, that's why things haven't been working with us. I understand you more. It doesn't mean we'll, Perhaps we might not spend a lot of time together. Who knows? But it, or or it might it might might be a turning point in the relationship because you've been able to really listen to their needs, um, and then often when we're active listening more, I find in my experience where the whole interaction the energy changes, so the other person tends to then be more present with you as well. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you're calling it for account. Someone's got to go first, right? So yes. if we've got these yep. arrangements and we've both gone into them equally so because it suited us, someone has to go first to go, you know what, this arrangement isn't suiting us so much. I'm feeling the effects of it. And then someone will either be open to that or they'll be resistant and they'll react to you and find excuses, et cetera. And, and we've just got to respect that. You know, it's free choice. But then knowing that those relationships with, with um that toxicity, I suppose, if it's not if it's not going to shift, then you're going to be affected by that and then it leaves less room for your other relationships and it does affect it. It's just like if you've had a bad day at work or if someone's annoyed you at work and you're not, you know, you're not taking responsibility for how you're reacting to it, you bring it home and the whole family can feel it or whoever you happen to be with can feel it as well. So... You know, it's not mm. about perfection at all. It's just clocking these reactions that we have, seeing the expectations that we've got on ourselves and on others, looking at what we're getting out of it. Could it be our lack of, um, of self-worth? Could it be that we've got this thing happening where we want to fit in or want to be included in stuff? So, again, it's the hurts that are triggered from childhood. And in that, just let yourself feel it and go, oh, I didn't realise, yeah, I do have an issue. I do want to fit in or I overcommit myself because I don't want to miss out and I want to be available so that, um, you know, people are including me in things. But, yeah. Um, it's, it's just good to feel the ripple on effect. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's so true. Um, have we got any I'll more just... questions at this stage at all? No, not as yet, but we would love to hear some more questions if there's anything on your mind. Um, yeah. You know, anything what at all. relationships. Yeah, anything at yeah. all. Relationships that are working well, aren't working. Mm. Aspects of relationships that you find hard in general, perhaps at work. Um, Tricky situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you find communicating yourself? Do you find it easy to open up? Uh, we talked about communication. Um, being key and really expressing what your needs are, do you find it easier to do with your partner or even your colleagues at work? Because that's something I think in Australia, particularly we have uh, probably still a little bit of the tall poppy syndrome and talking about ourselves is often still not the done thing, if that makes sense, yeah. Katie. And I, I yeah. think, I wonder if that's part of it. We're still unsure about what we can say for fear of what people will think and how oh, we'll be absolutely. judged. Absolutely. And then also just taking a moment now to look at what's your flavour in an overall pattern in your relationships. Do you find that you do use control to try and feel secure? So therefore, are you being controlling in your relationships 
or is your flavor one of holding back in fear of someone that if you really brought it and brought all of you and the quality that you are and and how you feel, etc., into your conversation. Are you fearful that there's, that's going to be too much for people, or there'll be a reaction? Because generally, there's an overall flavour. We might do these things intermittently, or are you one that that's dismissive? Um, you know, you, you'll you'll be there and seem like you're agreeing with something, but you'll have your own agenda going. Or is it more people pleasing? You know, often it'll be, oh, I don't mind. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Or I don't mind where we go. You choose. Um, so just seeing what what are those patterns that we've got that we bring through mind's definitely been a tendency to hold back and, and only really bring the fullness to those that were open to it. But um, I could see the pattern where that came from childhood and then that's something that I chose to work with. And what I realised when I shifted that and, and continue to work with it, the depth that it brought to people, to relationships that were wanting that themselves was unbelievable and you know I, it's kind of like do you want to have 50 60 friends that you've just got certain conversation that you have or you know do you are you are you going okay great i want to bring more and have more fulfillment in relationships and then have great quality maybe not as many relationships but you've you you've got the room to be um more free with with what you're feeling yeah so, i think understanding also that you know, you don't need to fill up your time all the time, do you? No. You don't need to. We don't often our minds don't like being still or have nothing on, but that's okay. And the more we're comfortable with that, that has a really positive impact on our health and then allows us the time and space when we do have catch up with people for those relationships that are important to us. Yeah, that's super cool, Sam. So question, how are we when we do have time? If you're used to being super, super busy, are you comfortable when you've just got space with yourself um, to go about what you need to do and, and have some time with yourself or do you just automatically fill up? So that's that's kind of coming back to how comfortable are we in our own skin in relationship with ourselves? Do we have an avoidance where we need people the whole time around us or, or do we feel drained by having people around us, then that means that you're not truly being yourself in your relationships if you are getting drained by being around people for a certain amount of time, etc. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've got some more questions, so thank you all. Quite a number have come in. Um, the first one I think is a really good one in terms of um, significant life events. And this one's specifically around a new baby. So how do you, and when you feel like you've had a, got a new baby, recently had a new baby and you've got no energy left to talk to your partner or you feel like you've got no energy and, and I guess that can really impact communication. Yeah, most parents in the world would totally understand that question. <laughs> and, you know, it's bringing the understanding to with each other to go, we, you know, we've got to look after each other even more now because we're sleep deprived or we're not getting the sleep that we need we're adjusting to having a new baby or another mother child so one is just identifying you know are we there for each other have we got each other's back in this and again you're bringing then your focus to your relationship which then helps you support be more supportive for your relationship with your kids because you're going to have more than to share with them so often it can be the case where both parents are taxed more it's not just one or the other but taking it in turns um, with what's needed so that you're allowing that nurturing for each other to the best of your ability and then the baby will be taken care of in that but not compromising yourself in your relationship because we've had a new child if that makes sense so it doesn't have to be a big conversation but even you know just two minutes at the end of the day or a few minutes at the end of the day going how was today is there something we need to do differently tomorrow so that we feel more supported with what we need to do but it is an adjustment period but I, again I feel the more that we're communicating with that and um, not just going into function as a mum as a dad then we're bringing that human element to go and you know if it's tough just having a chat saying whoa you know today was tough and, and just listening yes. to each other and having that, that opportunity to share, especially, say, if you were with the kids more and the partner was at work or vice versa, whatever it happens to be, just as two human beings that love each other to go, you know, how are you? 
just to check in with each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think also the way the question's been phrased is great. Um, I feel like I have no energy to talk to my partner. Well, that can just be a, a place to start from, can't it? That, you know, by saying that, listen, oh gosh, we've got so much on with the new baby, you know, we're working still, we've got a busy life. I just feel like I've got no energy and I want to connect with you more. Um, yeah. But I'm just not Even sure how. That. Just say yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. a start. And even if that's the only words that you can get out before you just crash into a slumber, because you've acknowledged it and you're being honest and then you can start to be a bit more playful with it as well. Like, you know what, this is so hard. I didn't realise it would be this hard. Or, you know, we're yeah. not asking for anyone to fix it necessarily. Or then it could be, who, who can we ask for some support right now? I don't know about you, but this is where I'm at. And the other partner might go, actually, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling that level. What can I do tomorrow? Or um, can I do a night feed if that's a possibility? Or, mm. you know, just saying, are we taking too much on? And often women can do this. I don't know if it was a man or a woman that offered that. Um, men can do it as well. But in that we have to hold it all together. So we yes. think we're holding it all together. But, you know, often no one's asked us to hold it all together. We're putting that pressure on ourselves and in that then we're not open to seeing where we could have some support because we're expecting already that we have to do it all. And then sometimes it could be I'm so tired, it's going to be more effort to call someone, see if I can have support or to have them in my home. But we're setting it up. We're, it's, it's a form of control in that way. It's like we're not even giving it a go to see because we might be pleasantly surprised that even though it may take a little bit of effort, this, when the support starts to happen, it, it can, um, yeah, yeah, make you feel like you're not just the one holding it together. Absolutely. And, and just having those that initial conversation can just release a bit of tension anyway, and that can also be contributing to your lack of energy. So once you start, that can often start the flow, that flow between your, you and your partner to sort of you know, re-energise again as well. Um, another question, and this one is to do with relationships with kids. And when we're busy and we've got so much on working full time, just trying to get them to do their homework can be tough and, and not be on all the gadgets. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And this one was specific to a sort of six and a three-year-old. Yeah, the, the gadgets, that's that's a virus, an epidemic <laughs> as well when we're talking about it. And it only gets worse um, as the kids get older. So now's, now's the perfect age, you know, that you've mentioned to get in there and, and when you can feel that it's not right and you don't want that in your family and it's and then we're not relating with each other and we're not we're just you know identified during this time how important communication is well the gadgets just pull them away from that that communication and makes it even harder and then addictions are setting in kids you know five four even they're having um mediation at school in, in China and a lot of the Asian mm. countries because of this epidemic of, of a disease of um, computer addiction and, and social media addiction. So really cool what, what you're mentioning um, with that and to, to be working on that as well. Yes. And I think too also, um, you know, a simple way or technique to try and tackle this is to really be aware of yourself. So if you've got a busy life, as, as described, you've described and you're working full time and, you know, I assume you've got lots of other things to do as we all do, when you know that you're going to have an interaction with the kids around the gadgets and around getting their homework done, think about your previous interactions and think about the energy you've had. So if you've come home from work or you've picked them up from school and you've been rushing to get there, kids can pick up on your energy. Um, and they can pick up if you're feeling a bit vulnerable as well. So the, the calmer um, and the more in the moment you are, the more likely you're going to have a, a productive interaction and you're not going to, they're not going to trigger you so much. So it's less likely to lead into a fight. So if you're rushing home from work or rushing to the school, just sort of stop for five minutes or stop for a couple of minutes before you get out of the car to go into the school or don't sort of race into the house or race into the schoolyard or just try and slow things down just by sort of 5%. Because the more your adrenaline's pumping, the more you're tired and mentally tired, it's very difficult for you to be firm um, and reasonable in these discussions. And kids, you know, they know how to push our buttons. So the more you're able to sort of slow down and, 
and that goes towards your well-being you know do you have things in your life where you're giving yourself a break it can be really hard when topics seem like we have no time but that stuff's really important to sort of change those interactions so they're not so adversarial and you're not resisting them but you're also you've got your line in the sand that's spot on spot on sam because they can feel the inconsistency as well or if, if we're you know um not there when we're you know being present when we're saying it they'll go oh you know what i'll just keep doing it she's going to give up or she's going to get tired of this etc so it's like a radar for that and not another thing in relation to homework is it's not our homework as parents it's not our responsibility it's the kids responsibility to complete it and if they're not then there will be consequences and that's a that's a point that kids are super radars for as well when we're not being consistent with the consequences because then they'll push us to that place where we left off in our inconsistency next time around yes yes absolutely a uh, couple more questions we've got one um, on expectations on siblings the expectation is that they should understand us more than anyone else but that's not always the case so what do you do in that circumstance yeah, but it's, it's great because siblings are so different. Um, mm. We've got three kids and they're completely different. We've been raised in the same house, so it just shows that, you know, that inherentness of us individually and who we are. So when we have an expectation like that, it's so conditional because why is that different to anyone else? Why do we think that our family, you know, should know us inside out and also how are we behaving in the family as well? So we're, we're siblings, um, they'll, they'll push buttons for each other, they'll show different things. One dynamic in a sibling relationship might be fine, um, but another one will press buttons, et cetera. So um, I suppose valuing the kids for the individuals that they are will then help them to value each other for their differences as well and appreciate what they bring in those differences too so it's just like you know if we just go okay there's one school for everyone then then it's going are we are we allowing that space or do we have an expectation that everyone needs to toe the line the same way as each other um you know different hurts different sensitivities so it's really cool to go, are we allowing that in our home though for people to express those aspects of themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just conscious of time too. Maybe quick, uh, maybe just a quick few words on the last question. Oh, sorry, we had two more, but we'll probably only get to one. And, and this one was around um, having a new boss um, who was a previous colleague. Um, so since, you know, becoming a boss, the, the sort of the relationship has changed. It's colder than it was before. And so it's now becoming a bit awkward. So how do you sort of break through and keep the connection while still being professional? Mm. But, and again, it just it, having that new um, setup, so to speak, shows maybe there was an ease before that had probably been established over time with the previous um, boss etc mm -hmm. so it's just like am i am i then wanting that because that that was good or it worked for us etc and then just expecting it to be the same going on or am i allowing this new constellation that we've got which can be perhaps a little rocky to begin with but if i just look at what expectations i have dropping those and going okay i might not know exactly what this person's going to offer yet or know how they're going to be with me but it's a new opportunity and I want to start appreciating them for who they are, addressing what we may have to address together, chinks in the armour, so to speak. Um, I'm working with a corporation that's had a bit of changeover with staff and it brings new opportunity, but there are aspects that need a greater focus um, because there's different styles and you're getting used to each other. So it's addressing those, not letting those slip but also going, it is going to be different to perhaps the um, relationship that I had previously, different person, different attributes, different life experiences. So again, we come back to that expectation, just even if you're not aware of it, just what are the subtle layers that might be there of perhaps missing the ease or, you know, because that other person is going to be picking up on that, even though we're, yes, we're not yeah. purposely doing it, they're going to be clocking all of that as well and trying to fit into shoes and perhaps or those expectations so in in us clocking what ours are it leaves more space for the other person to to be more full i suppose in their position 
Absolutely. And I think, um, look, you know, it's difficult when someone changes roles and the relationship changes and they're occupying a new role and they've got their own expectations of what that means. So they can start to be less flexible. And there was a follow-up comment around the flexibility is, is changing. So um, I'm conscious of time too, but interestingly, next week, or sorry, in two weeks' time on the 2nd of May at, at 12 p.m., we're talking about self-care at work. Um, managing stress and feeling well in a busy workplace. So, you know, if you're on for that um, next session, we can probably re revisit that issue. No doubt that impacts our uh, the need for flexibility at work and the relationships with our managers, you know, will impact our ability to have self-care at work. So we can follow up, follow up then again. Um, yeah, anything that hasn't been discussed with questions, absolutely. There's the opportunity to revisit um, next time yes, or if anything comes up in this time between now and then. Um, you know, we can go go deeper as well. But you just have to remember if you are going to attend to book in because each um, podcast yes. you book in separately. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks for that, Katie. Make sure you register for that self-care at work session too. Um, you know, this has been another great discussion and thank you so much for all the questions. Apologies we didn't get to get to all of them, but um, hopefully you found it useful. I know I really enjoyed it, Katie. Mm, yeah, thanks everyone. You can um, very much uh, yeah, feel the contributing factors of, of people on the call. So appreciate Fantastic. your time. And look forward to um, hopefully seeing, seeing some of you again online in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Bye. Bye.